I accidentally clicked mute on you. Please start that sentence over. That's my okay. <laughs> You're horrible and I hate you. I didn't mean okay. to. So welcome everyone to On Writing and Fan Fiction. I'm Zoe. I'm Jake. And today uh, we have a special guest, uh, my friend Giddy. Hello. And we are so honored to have her here because for the first time ever, this podcast has someone who is actually qualified to talk about writing. Legit qualifications. Yeah. Because Giddy has those magical three letters and MFA. (laughs) I also have a, a, uh, what is it, a teaching certificate in composition too, so... Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) That's like for real qualified. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'll teach composition and then pandemic. I'm like, you know what? We're going (laughs) to. Who who the fuck knows? Exactly. We're going to put that on the back burner for now. Yeah. (laughs) So be sure to uh, check us out on Instagram at the OWFF underscore podcast, the ALF pod. You may send your quote unquote fan mail. To OWFFpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any, you know, burning questions or horrible nine-page diatribes you wish to levy upon us. And both of those are being managed by our wonderful friend and creative director, Kira, who we gas up every episode because she deserves it. Thank you, Kira. And today we have... So the reason we have... The reason Zoe got Giddy to do this for us... Thank you, Giddy, by the way, for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting um, me. This is very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so Giddy has, so I'm to understand that Giddy has beta read for you, Zoe, uh, multiple times. Yes, and I have also beta read for her. So we're mutual beta readers. We were just discussing before we were recording, we don't remember who asked who to beta read first. Right. Yeah, um, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. I think, what did you say? I think it was, I think you might have asked me to beta read first because I was already beta reading for some other mutual friends. Yeah, in the um, in the Discord. We're, we're yeah. part of a, of a yeah. Star Wars yeah. thing. Yeah, we were in a Star Wars Discord together. Right on. Yeah. Um, um, so, and I was already beta reading for people, so I think she asked me to beta read for her and then I asked her to beta read for me, um, which I don't, I tend to be really selective about. My beta Aww. readers. Yeah. Um, so, As well which, you should be. Yeah. yeah. Which, brings us, which brings us to our first topic, um, mm-hmm. which is how to choose a beta reader. So mm-hmm. so for the uninitiated, the beta readers are, uh, your, they're your editors in the fan yeah. fiction world. So you choose someone yeah. who you trust. You choose like a, a trusted friend or someone who's good at writing. And you're like, hey, man, uh, can you read what I have written and give me some feedback? And they will do so and hopefully do it well. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. Uh, but sometimes they don't, and that's why we are here today to talk about how to choose a beta reader. Yeah, so I guess to fully define all of the relationships in this podcast right now, um, mm-hmm. Giddy and I have beta read for each other, um, but I have also beta read for Jake. Yes, you've beta read a chapter of mine. Yeah, I guess uh, to start off, I usually choose a beta reader if I if I like their work, basically. Yeah. And I admire their writing style, and I feel like... They would be, you know, they know what they're doing on that front. And then also, if we have, like, a little bit of a rapport, you know, just talking, then I feel like they would be kind of, you know, aware of what I want out of the relationship and what, and, like, be able to provide that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's, beta readers are, they're kind of, they're a little harder to, it's funny, the... I guess not. It's not the barrier of entry for bar- for beta readers. Like in, in traditional publishing, if you like, you know, you get picked up by a publishing house, they're like, okay, we assign an editor, whoever that is, whether it's freelance or it's they have an in-house editor. They'll assign someone to edit your story for you, and you will have an email correspondence over the next few months to be like, okay, here are my suggestions, and you know, you take what advice you want or don't. And, and that's showing how that goes. But beta readers in 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 fan fiction land, you you sort of have to get to know them a little bit first, because you know fandom is so communitarian. You sort of you need to kind of like even if someone's writing is good, it's it's generally also better to kind of get a read for their personality. Um, yeah, because a person can be a good writer, but editing is an entirely different skill set. Yeah. yeah, but but you do want a good writer to be 
yes. beta reader. Yes, absolutely. Do. Uh, and, that, and in fan fiction, that's that's easily like the first sort of metric of like, okay, this person knows, this person can clearly knows like what, like what the connective tissue of a story should look like. Like their characters yeah. are good, their dialogue is snappy, their pacing is yeah. you know, on point, all that. Yeah. I think to kind of like add on to that too, it's like, it's like one thing to like kind of like find someone to read your work and to edit it and whatnot and by edit it how you are like your rapport like one-on-one is gonna be different than how you edit you should feel comfortable to say like oh this doesn't make sense to me or Mm -hmm. do you think maybe we can change it to this but like you as the author should also feel comfortable saying like well I see where you're coming from maybe try this way you know you have to be well you know you have to be yeah willing to listen to suggestions but I would also say it's it's really important for, and this is something I found with Zoe, but like, um, it's really important for a beta reader to kind of not necessarily predict, but kind of try to preserve the voice of the writer. It's, it's real. I mean, I've done it my, myself by accident, but like, it's really tempting when you're reading someone else's work of like, oh, I would write it this way, sort of a thing. And you mm-hmm. get to be like, wait, no, I'm not like, I'm mm-hmm. not the person writing this story, yeah. you know, and that's where sometimes the back and forth comes in. Yeah, and, and I think certain... you were referencing earlier, you have to be able to stand up to your beta reader and you have to be able to have to have that you have to have that kind of relationship with them where you can yeah. tell them like you said, I see where you're coming from, but I would prefer to do it this way. Is there any you know and yeah. then give your reasoning for that. So you yeah. don't just want to roll over on everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I, I like what you said about, you know, you 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 have to trust that your beta reader, like when they like the important part of, you know, choosing a beta reader generally someone you're comfortable with is like so that you know when they say this doesn't make any sense it's not like it's not someone coming for you it's not an attack right it's a friend saying objectively this is where the story kind of lost me and that's the same in the in the traditional publishing world too it's like and as with any art you know it's art is a very you know writing is a very like it's an act of extreme vulnerability showing that to another person. So like, Mm -hmm. it's best to send it to a trusted friend who, you know, isn't like attacking you when they make a suggestion. Yeah. 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 And it's also um, what you can, you know, it's also um, if you're kind of worried about that, you can also ask other people who that person has beta read for, you know, what their style is like. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can, if you're worried and you'd like to be like prepared or you want to know whether it's going to be a good fit, because I've definitely beta read for some people and it hasn't been a good fit. Yeah. Uh, and then they go elsewhere. Yeah. And that's the, the, like, the nice thing about fan fiction, too, is like it's not like school where it's like, you know, if things don't work out, things don't work out. You can still be mm-hmm. friends with someone. You don't have to harbor, you know, bad feelings for that mm-hmm. other person unless they really make their way to be an asshole about it. But like, yeah. <laughs> I've never had that situation where it's yeah. like, you know, man, fuck you. I'm going. Yeah. The worst, yeah. the worst spot I have ever been in mm-hmm. for editing is mm-hmm. I had for like a workshop class in first semester mm-hmm. of third year last year mm. what like we had to there was a story by one of i don't know if i've mentioned it on the podcast obviously i'm not gonna say anyone's name in case she mm. finds this but like there was a story that i i'm not hyperbolizing like i page long conversations without dialogue tags mm. like page like just front loaded with the most fucking baffling exposition i have ever seen and mm. it's like I had to edit it because my mark was dependent on like a peer review thing. Right. So I had to sit sift through 31 pages of this fucking garbage. Oh my God. And like the reason I'm upset about it is because like you are in the third year of a creative writing program. This is literally inexcusable. It just smacks to me of like a complete waste of your, like a, a disrespect of your peers time because like, People work really hard on the stories they create, and then you slap this together in some caffeine-fueled fugue state at 3 a.m., and you throw it up, and we're forced to read it because we don't want our marks to tank. It's yeah. like, don't do not do that. Don't do that to your editors. Yeah, so you want to, um, ideally, you want someone th- something to be beta-read when it's in... When it's like kind of almost as good as you can make it by yourself. Yes. Because then then you'll get, that'll allow you to get the most out of your beta reading experience. 
because if you turn in if you give something to a beta reader that has like you know no dialogue tags or really clunky exposition or something that you know isn't your best work they're just going to spend all their time pointing out all this really obvious stuff that you already know and they might not get to like offer you insight that you might not know that would like kind of add to your story yeah exactly you want to wait until sort of you don't know what else to do with it Mm -hmm. to turn it over to someone else and another important thing to note too is that a beta reader is not there to make your story good they're not there to fix your writing they're there to like make suggestions on something that's like already passable like when i read that peter's story i that's an editor's job is not to take that and and fix it and turn it into fucking hemingway right like any editor that sees a story like that is going to throw it immediately in the garbage so like (laughs) not only should you as a writer respect your your editor's time but as an editor you should respect your own time and be like like i'm confident in my ability and i know what i'm doing so if someone just turns something over to you and it's like totally illegible, it is not at all your responsibility to sit there and take a pen to it and like try to fix it. You, you turn fair, it back though, to them and say like, bro. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, I have done that mostly with people who've asked me to braid read who are much younger and much less skilled. Sure. Um, because I'm interested in like this being kind of a learning experience for them. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So in that case, I try to, first of all, I try to make my comments a little bit simpler. And, you know, when I make changes, I try to point out why I'm doing that. And... Yeah. And you should always point out why you want to make changes anyway. It's a good practice. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like I tutor also. I mean, I, I totally hear you about like kind of being like really frustrated when you have to, when you're forced to edit for a grade sort of a thing, you feel like the other person. And it, it is like a lot of people like myself included when you turn into something for workshop it is more than likely the first yeah. draft you know mm-hmm. so like i remember being a complete bitch in my in my bachelor's like workshop you know it's like ripping people like i know i killed a few careers like in their cribs oh, no. and like i <laughs> dude i was a full-on bitch and then it wasn't until <laughs> i really got into my mfa program and tutoring and stuff like that and kind of realizing it's like you know what sometimes like we're all just like trying to do our best and like there's more yeah. productive ways than going like why did you give me this garbage <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so so yeah like you should never <laughs> a, a, an editor a good editor is always very deferential and they're like y- you want to tell the writer what's working well as much as what, yeah. what isn't working like yes. it's very important to strike that balance that's mm-hmm. extremely especially yeah it's extremely important to kind of like balance that sort of a thing not necessarily i know there's um what is it the the constructive criticism sandwich sort of a thing yeah, yeah. but I, yeah. I think it's really good to when you're beta reading is to find patterns sometimes you really kind of want to note something where it's like hey this seems to be a pattern whether it's like negative or positive but just like mm-hmm. oh you, you know i really like how you use this metaphor here or like oh this feel you know like i really felt this character here sort of a thing so you really kind of need to like and i think like you were saying like zoe with like the younger when you can yeah, when you when you can tell someone's like younger sort of a thing it's just sort of or like not as experienced like with writing like how important it is for them to see like okay i'm not you know like oh i i do have something to like i can kind of expand on sort of a thing you know like mm-hmm. lean into that lean into that good metaphor you yeah. know mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, in that, in that context, it, it, in fandom, like when, if you're dealing with like a, a, a clearly like younger sort of not as experienced writer, yeah, you definitely want that, you want to make that sort of a learning opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, so you might be wondering where this term beta reading has come from. For there to be a beta reader, there would have to be an alpha reader, right? Yeah. Where's the omega reader? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there? Uh, no, I'm kind of curious. Hold on. <laughs> Research live. Well, so while Giddy's no. looking that up, so technically um, there is such a thing as an alpha reader. I don't know how much this term isn't used in fan fiction anymore. Alpha reader isn't used in fan fiction anymore. But as the name would imply, it's sometimes called a first reader. So um, they would read a really early work in progress and maybe suggest big structural changes that would require like large amounts of rewriting. While right. a beta reader would read something that is much closer to finished and would be suggesting smaller changes, you know, that wouldn't require structural changes and a lot of right. rewriting. 
these are all kind of lumped into the same category to me in in fandom circles into just beta reading i mean probably because in fan fiction most of what happens is actually beta reading like i don't think i've made massive changes to anything i've had beta read um, mostly because you know fan fiction is so much lower stakes usually it doesn't feel quite worth the effort to go back and make massive changes yeah i mean jake when i beta read for you i i suggested some somewhat significant changes but they didn't they were, those being... were st- those weren't substantive those were stylistic those were like sort of these are this is on the level of sort of like the paragraph they're not i'm not making any like structural changes or anything yeah yeah i remember some pretty major scene changes but Sure. I mean, there was like, but there was like one or two and there was like, and they were, they were sort of the, they weren't changes in like make the scene completely different. They were sort of a refining of like something that was already sort of there, but just kind of the edges were blurred and then you sort of brought it into focus. Yeah. Um, the, the traditional publishing equivalents of like an alpha and beta reader, I would think are like your alpha reader is sort of your substantive reader and your beta reader is either your, uh, is like your copy editor. Mm-hmm. they're not they're not direct equivalents like a substantive editor is not going to read like a super early work in progress that's nowhere nowhere close to done every reader is going to read like a, a complete manuscript but a, a substantive editor will uh will sort of uh make make really big cons- make structural changes or substantive changes hence their name and the copy editor will be like, okay, here's like punctuation editing, spelling, um, mm-hmm. based on region. Like if you're in Canada, the, you'd, you'd use, you'd change some spellings and whatnot and like formatting and stuff like that. Yeah. So let's see if Giddy's back. Is there such a oh. thing as an Omega reader? No, unfortunately not. All right. I just, so just, yeah. well perhaps perhaps that's a good thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) we only we only need two types of readers and there's most fan fiction is is unedited right like yeah there's there's the vast majority of it majority majority of it is you know people write and they throw it up there uh, yeah. And that's fine. We're, this that's not like oh, you need an editor to blah, blah, blah. Like, this is not very this is not like an objective thing you need to do it. It's a choice that's open to you. Like yeah. like Zoe said earlier yeah. that if for fan fiction the the stakes are a lot lower so like it's not really that big a deal if it's just if there's like typos here and there people don't really care in the in the fan yeah. fiction world. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would say probably less than half of my stuff is beta read honestly. Mm. I don't know. I I tend to uh bring in beta readers under specific circumstances, mostly if I'm really not feeling confident about a fic or Mm. if the fic is involving things that I don't know much about and I happen to know someone who does know a lot about that. So I recently wrote a fic with several several scenes that took place in a hospital, and so I know a doctor IRL, and so I had Mm -hmm. her beta that for that kind of accuracy. Yeah, and that would be sort of like a sensitivity reader. Yeah. Um, Mm. Like, for example, the the book that I'm writing has uh, a lot of, uh, like, Shaolin chan buddhism inspiration and i was and i'm not well read in that department so what i so i a friend of mine is like a sri lankan diasporic buddhist uh and that's that's theravada buddhism it's not it's not the same sect but like in broad strokes the the the, much many of the philosophies are the same so it's a sensitivity reader someone who i i I don't know if i've explained this in the podcast yeah yeah, we've we've done sensitivity reading but you can okay yeah you can remind them uh pop quiz uh, reminder (laughs) Uh, sensitivity reader is if you don't know shit all about what you're writing about you would find someone who knows a lot about what you're writing about and they would read it and be like this is okay and this is definitely not so they just sort of give you the rundown of like hey you this is this is correct or incorrect or like this is insensitive hence Mm -hmm. sensitivity reader yeah and uh i thought i would also maybe here talk a little bit about about how this is logistically done in in fandom obviously because everything seems so anonymous right um you know when you're looking at fandom pages like fan fiction pages they're all all the authors just seem totally disconnected from each other so fanfiction.net actually has a built-in beta reading function where you can share documents just from account to account and i've done this a little bit when i first started writing fan fiction and it's pretty janky and especially because the way documents are shared from account to account means that certain formats are not translated so you have to do your editing in a really specific way that will be translated in that document sharing kind of setting right but the way i've been i've done it a lot more recently is just honestly over google documents so i've been 
you know, made connections over Discord or Tumblr and been contacted kind of in DMs there and shared um, my, you know, fandom-specific email address that I have, and that's where I beta read from, and that's where I share things with others to be beta read. I should have a fandom email. <laughs> that's <laughs> professional as fuck. That's super I know. Right? <laughs> well, it's because like... <laughs> it's because I don't tend to use my real name in fandom circles, so yeah. I couldn't mm. use my I couldn't use my real email. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have that's why I have a fandom specific email with what I refer to as my pen name attached to it. Mm. Your pseudonym. Yeah. So that's how that's how I've done it more recently. That's how, in my experience, this has worked logistically. Right on. Yeah, I've always done the Google Docs with commenting, but I never. I mean, I wrote for fanfic.net a long. Like I used to write um, World of Warcraft fanfic, but I didn't get to beta reading. Oh yeah, what was it? Oh yeah, it was World of Warcraft and One Piece fanfiction. But it wasn't until I got into the Star Wars fandom and like you were saying, Zoe, like getting to know people on Tumblr and Discord, where it's like, okay. I'll trust some of you to read my. Yeah. <laughs> um, I might. Well, I have a couple of friends, like in real life. Um, I would email them my fanfic to read and stuff like that. Or like now, that, what'll happen is, so Zoe, after you read it, and then I publish it, and then I send it to on Ago Three, and then I send it to my friend, and then she reads it, and then she's like, "Oh, did you notice this misspelling?" I'm like, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's an Omega reader. <laughs> That's yes, the Omega reader. reader. That's, <laughs> that's someone who reads your fanfic and like comments like your your spelling mistakes. Yeah, on you. exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the Omega reader is the one that edits the beta reader. It's like I don't know who, what fuck up you got to edit this. That's someone. That's someone critiquing you on your accuracy on your like factual accuracy after you've like had an expert oh, read your fic. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I got. Oh, I, you sound I, like you have a story about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Like, I'm not gonna name names. She's very nice. I understand she came from a good place. So what happened was, I wrote a Raylo fic. That's how it all starts. And there was like CPR in it, and like it's Ray giving CPR, and of course it's bad CPR. And I thought, you know, it was obvious. So then at the end of the fic, I get this comment. It was a nurse that commented about how oh, the no. CPR was bad. I'm like, I had to respond like. I understand that the CPR was bad. However, it was the force that were. I forget what I wrote back in response, but it's just like, I understand, that, like, a lot of people when they're making corrections like that or. Oh, wait. She's the same person who. For a Rebel Captain fic. Um, oh, wait. I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yes. And. and <laughs> she's very again, nice. She's very nice, but, like, it was a Rebel Captain fic where basically, like, Jen and Cassian, they accidentally have a baby. And, but first, Jen thinks that, like, the baby died or something. And then she's like, oh, maybe, you know, it, it's better that way, sort of a thing. Uh-huh. And then she got really upset about that. She's like, I can't believe she'd think like that. I'm just like, well, I mean, you know, you just find out you're pregnant. <laughs> Your brain goes all over the place. But I'm like, hey, I understand what you mean. Well, I'm not saying like, oh, this is what every woman should think sort of a thing. It's just sort of I would imagine this might be where her train of thought would go sort of a thing. That's the thing about fan fiction that is kind of different than I would than you would see in original fiction with like fan fiction. It's like disagreements of how characters trains of thought or reactions would be sort of a thing. Yeah. And especially mm-hmm. since I write I do write some in like in canon universe I'm sorry in universe uh, fic. Mm-hmm. I write a lot of out of universe fic and sort of like some of the fun of it is like, okay, what happens? We have Jen and Cassian, but they're teenagers in the present time, you know. So yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna be the same because they're not gonna have the same trauma yeah. experiences yeah, as the yeah. original characters. Yeah, we so. talked about characterization a couple episodes ago about how there are many different ways to have c- good characterization, and those, while different, can all be you know valid. So and and everyone everyone has different characterizations that they are drawn to personally. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah. So especially in fandom, people, you know, they they take their characters very seriously. They have everyone has their favorite, you know, mm-hmm. and they sort of they they cherish them. So it's 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 sometimes hard to be like, you know, oh, this seems out of character. This is my this is my attempt at a at a super fucking hobbled segue. By the way, um, <laughs> you, they are they are what uh, you might describe as their darlings. Who you might have yeah. heard you might have heard the instruction to kill at some yeah. point. And I have, yeah. I have, and people I've, have been upset at me about that. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, I've heard that a lot too. I've heard that a lot too. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, the phrase that you'll sometimes hear in creative writing circles, and this is not just fan fiction. This is actually, I've never heard this in fan fiction. I've only heard this in like creative mm. writing workshops. Yeah. It's to kill your darlings because, and by your darlings, we mean like pieces of writing or aspects of your writing that you have become really emotionally attached to. The idea being that because you have become so emotionally attached to this, you can't be objective about it. And so you should get rid of it. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's definitely a way to take this too far because like mm. it, you can start to doubt yourself. Like you can take this too far and start to doubt your instincts and start to think like, oh, because I really like this piece of writing, that means I, it must be bad and I have to rewrite it. Yeah. And yeah. so then like you start to get like all in your head twisted up about how you like can't like anything because mm -hmm. that you've written because that means it's bad but that's not true i don't hear this so much in fan fiction i think because fan fiction is usually a place where you can be like really self-indulgent and just write mm -hmm. literally whatever you want and what excites you i just thought it would be a fun thing to discuss you know mm -hmm. like the pros and cons of becoming emotionally attached to your writing either whole stories or just aspects of it yeah i, I like what you touched on when you were saying you know like it, it can sort of that 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 idea to kill your dar darlings can sort of end up being kind of a problem for writers because they end up deading themselves. So I think the better way to frame that is not kill your darlings, but be willing to let go of them. Mm. Um, you, because you should be confident in your writing and you should, you should unabashedly feel passionate about it. But be willing to, you know, accept that there might be a better way to do things that you haven't seen yet. So when you put that to an editor or a beta reader, that person might say, you know, you know, here's my suggestion as to how the story might progress in a different way that I think is a bit more, you know, cohesive or better fits the overall theme of what you're going for, whatever the suggestion is. You might very well, you know, run into a, a, a scenario in which someone is making a suggestion about, uh, you know, a piece of your story that you hold very dearly, like a chapter that you just really like, you think it's really well paced, it's just, it's it's really fun. Like, I have a chapter like that, like chapter four of my manuscript, if someone said, get rid of that, I would feel really upset. But like, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily kill your darlings, because that sort of, it, it, that implies that, you know, you should, you should do that, you should come to that conclusion all on your own. The, the better idea to me is sort of be willing to accept that there's a better way to go about things. And that's still really hard, right? Yeah. Like you still, you still might hear a suggestion that you don't agree with, or like maybe you, in your heart of hearts, you do agree with it, but you, you don't really want to because you love it so much. A, a, an editor might even tell you to get rid of a character, you know, yeah. like it, it, it all depends. It, it, it varies. It's case by case. But you know, it's about striking the balance of, like, being confident in your writing, but also being willing to accept when there's the sort of, you know, you've come to a fork in the road and you sort of accept to take the path that you don't really want to at first. And I'm wondering if maybe, like, one way to kind of make that bitter pill, kind of being able to sw swallow that bitter pill is not so much thinking about, like, killing your darlings, but more about like composting them like I like I mean reduce, I, I reuse recycle your darlings yeah, yeah. basically <laughs> I mean, like it, it's something I, I've told um students in my writing when I've like tutored them in writing and stuff like that because like what'll happen is um I mean this happens to me too like everyone does this like you just vomit draft this one thing and then you end up kind of like repeating that same idea but it's a lot more succinct like basically your brain figured out okay this is how i want to describe this sort of a thing you know and so i have to be the one that tells them like okay this page you wrote we got rid of this because you wrote you know what you needed to say in this one paragraph and a lot of these folks which is on channel it's like well you know i put i spent so much time into this i spent so much time into this i'm just like i'm not saying you know throw it away forever it's just save it. You might be able to use it as inspiration for something else. Maybe mm -hmm. there's a turn of phrase in here you like, or um, if it comes to like fiction writing, maybe like, you know, like, you know, if you had to get rid of a character from a book. Um, and again, that's like a case, by, that's a whole nother kettlefish, but like that's a case yeah. by case basis. Say you do have to get rid of a character. Well, shit, like, you know, save that character, like, you know, rework them in a different story sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. I've done that with like characters and plot lines and stuff like that, you know. And the thing is like with, like with writing style itself too like sometimes i think zoe has seen this where i'm like but i just like how it sounded and you're like it doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> like fine <laughs> i 
I run into that problem all the time because yeah. I I use like you know when you're using figurative language, it's like how poetic and metaphorical do I want to get? And then like yeah. and then your editor reads it like what the fuck are you talking about? It's like damn it. Yeah, it made sense to me when I wrote it. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was fucking yeah. I thought that was beautiful. I <laughs> You don't understand me. As as the local Philistine, I, <laughs> I so like the town fool. Like I tend to I tend to run into this because my style of writing tends to be like extremely not flowery, like whatever the opposite of flowery is. So I tend to be very sensitive to when writers start, you know, going off into the weeds of like <laughs> metaphors and flowery right. language. This is where so this is where disagreements between me and Giddy have cropped up when I'm like. <laughs> This is like, what are we even doing anymore? I don't even know. Yeah, like, we're, on, things, we're on a wild ride now. Yeah, when things just when things just go a certain like distance away from concrete, I as an editor mm. start to be like, you need to you need to come back to reality at some yeah. point. Even like and 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 that's you know maybe sometimes I am right, but like I also recognize that I have like a personal bias towards sure. not metaphors but that's where <laughs> i as a beta reader like kind of help you out there zoe because i know there were some times where i'm just highlighting this i'm like i want the emotion we're gonna bring this yeah. out of you one yeah. way or another like. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i yeah when i'm when i'm i wonder i should ask people i should ask my friend who i edit all the time i should ask her like what do you what is my style of editing because i don't know if i can necessarily name it off the top of my head but it's like i'm definitely i'm definitely a better like substantive reader i think than like perhaps a copy editor it's it's at least the editing that i like doing more but i you know what i it's i tend to i don't know maybe you'll have maybe, to jake, I, yeah. jake you'll have to beta read for me at some point and well, then there you, you go. come and back to this you'll be able to yeah because I, I, maybe I do it in equal measure, but I think I tend to be like, here's a spot where you can use a lot more detail. Um, mm. Like, uh, you know, if it's a fight scene, it's like, make it really graphic. Or if it's like, yeah, you know, oh here's my some detail about like the environment. Like you, I remember I was, I was fucking, I had like tabs open on Google when I was editing a, um, a friend's, a friend's work. Uh, she's writing like a, a story about, um, <clears throat> about like Norse mythology and stuff like that. And they had shown up to a guy's fort. So I was like, well, ramp, and she had used the word rampart, I think. And it was like, well, ramparts are generally like, like crenellated stone walls of like castle forts. And these are made out of like wooden, wooden palisades. Oh. So you should call it a palisade instead. And I had oh, tabs man. open about like metallurgy and shit. So, <laughs> so it, it was, it was always points of like, nah, I don't know if you could make a sword out of silver. You, Maybe use like have some more shit like that. Jake, okay, Giddy, if you've read jake's fix like you this is so in character for him i was reading his fic and i um i had a lot of comments on like you know a lot of the political aspects of the story mm -hmm. but then he just went off on these it was there was like um he was describing a character preparing for a battle scene and just <laughs> paragraphs of like technical <laughs> language on weapons <laughs> and weaponry and armor and well, I wanted like it to various be culturally appropriate, pieces of clothing you know? and i didn't like actually didn't tell him to strike any of that i just was like reading like my jaw slowly dropping to the floor on like how much <laughs> research he did for this when oh i would have glossed the fuck over all of that because i would have found it so boring to write i oh, know i love that shit man <laughs> we gotta we gotta do an episode now because i i like to write on historical stuff too i'm working on like a vampire western sort of a thing there is that balance of like hitting between you got to get the technical rights that way your reader kind of understands, you yeah. know, can really is, is really immersed in the atmosphere. But if you go too hard, like, yeah. I mean, we'll it's like, you know, if you were to like write, you know, in modern times, you're not talking in specific details about like, you know, every little like, you know, detailed te technological yeah. thing. Like, we got. 2005 going. Ford Fiesta turned left at the end of the can you imagine oh my god Bro. that's good that's what's gonna happen in like 50 years too they're like oh <laughs> yeah. this person's driving an old car <laughs> i know <laughs> oh my god i was just gonna say once in an original piece i was writing um there was like a little bit of um medical drama in it and can you recognize this is in character for me because I'm <laughs> <laughs> and, we all we and, all got our things <laughs> and i was like and i was um biochemistry major in college so i went off on like a whole three paragraphs on like different drug interactions that the the character was a nurse that they were considering and i'd spend of course hours on google looking all this up 
and my creative writing teacher like literally she bracketed the whole thing <laughs> in the draft and she was oh, like no. i don't give a shit oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and I, you know and i thinking critically and like rereading over the story i was like you know what this probably does significantly yeah. slow down the action yeah and yeah i doubt just, anyone will really give a shit it's just a, it's a it's sort of it's a it's a delicate balance right it's like it, it's a matter of is the pace right for sort of like doing this sort of close analysis of you know like these these objects that are close to a character or like this medical you know this medical diagnosis or something like that and i i, I tend to i tend to sort of I think I might have a bit of a tendency to over-explain some stuff like that sometimes because I've always read with, like, the attitude of, like, if I read jargon, I'm always like, oh, I'm really interested to know what that means. So I would put the book down, oh. look it up, and be like, oh, neat. But and I put, never pick the book but, back up. But I never want my readers to be doing that. Like, I don't I, I want... I fucking love doing that. I never want my readers to be, to interrupt, to, like, be torn out of the world, you know, by well, having to look it, up jargon. To me, it's like, it, it, it's like the book taught me a new thing. And it's like, it, and sort of reading as a writer, it's like, oh, maybe I can, you know, now that I know that jargon, that's like a hyper-specific thing that I didn't, I wouldn't even know what the fuck to Google to, like, find yeah. that information. I mean, I know, I know, but here's the thing, Jake, like, when I was reading your fic with all, like, the descriptions of sort, like, I didn't Google a single word of that shit but you liked it <laughs> I, I skimmed it i skimmed it i got the point i was like okay he's got a lot of weapons and then i moved on but you liked it though didn't you i mean it was very vivid even if i couldn't really exactly picture everything because i didn't know what most of those words meant now i'm curious now, now i gotta read this i'm i'm genuinely curious oh i'll dm like it to you giddy it's, it's actually it it's actually a very good story Ah, okay, uh, cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, I was very excited to, to read the last chapter. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> hell yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then take it to your question from earlier, uh, Jake. We, we we had started this off with, um, should you really kill your darlings? And I was like, mm. we should compost them. And then it just like went to hell yeah. after that. No, I like that though. I like well, that. Well, that's a, that's an amazing that's an amazing metaphor though. It is. And I <laughs> will be using it. I will be can using we, it. Can we call this episode a reduce, reuse, recycle your darlings? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yes, I'm enjoying I it a lot. <laughs> I'll think about it. Oh, man. At the end of the day, I'm the one that puts them up on Anchor, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I compost is more concise, so if we're gonna reference <laughs> Com- this... I do like compost your darlings. That's fun. <laughs> That's good. So, speaking of killing your darlings, um, <laughs> I, I see okay. a couple of uh, arguments now, in the show notes here. Now, now for the fun part of the episode. Um, so, because... I, I see... So, we're gonna pull the curtain back. Uh, hello, audience. It's Jake talking to you directly right now. You, yes, you, the one sitting in his car. So there's some show notes here saying uh, what advice to accept and what advice to fight. I'm very excited to talk about that. Under that is the Christmas tree argument and the cats drinking milk argument, which All are right. apparently some litigations that transpire between Zoe and Giddy at some undetermined All right. point in the past. Let's, okay, what let's, the fuck are those? Let me, preface, let me preface this by saying this is going to be the fun part of the episode because Giddy and I have a semi-long history of beta reading, beta reading each other's work. And we've had some arguments and we've had some arguments and that were never resolved. Um, and we need Jake to pick a side so I that am, we know. I am so excited. So we're really excited <laughs> to get into this. But okay, before I am before nothing think, if not an opinionated douchebag. So right now my, I know. my life be has been leading to this moment. Okay, but before we do this, I just want to tell a quick story about how um, as much as we argue, Giddy and I also sometimes do share the same brain. Because mm. remember once when we were writing that collaboration fit, Giddy, and we were writing about like things that were taking like the layout of a house. We eventually yes. needed to establish the layout of a house. And so we each independently drew the layout of the house we imagined. <laughs> and they were almost the same. They were so they were so close. Is That's it, how you find your editors, people. Draw this house, draw it. <laughs> And it's like it kind of it kind of amazed because I usually like with me one of my weaknesses is like spatial stuff sort of a thing. So I was yeah, surprised absolutely. that Zoe was able to like. That's awesome. Oh yeah, because yeah, because it was a, like quote collaboration, but like Giddy was doing most of the writing, writing, and I was helping with the planning. 
Yeah. Um, and we yeah. both drew a layout of this house that we had in our heads in yes. the story, and yes. we were, and we almost matched it completely. Was it? Was, was it? Insane. Did you get a sense yeah. of the layout from the writing, or was the writing? Yeah. So I was. Concept yeah. So basically, so she was writing the story, and I was reading it. And so basically, I wrote what I imagined while I was reading it, and she wrote what she imagined while I was while well, she then, was writing it. It doesn't sound like spatial so. awareness is your weakness, Giddy. It sounds like you painted a pretty clear picture. That's awesome. <laughs> It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. We actually cool. ended up using both the designs for houses that were right next door to each other. So nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but that, yeah, <laughs> we should come back to that story at some point. Anyway. Yes, I need to. I know. Like once it's burned, I know that'll probably be the one my comeback fanfic. I'm like, oh, here awesome. we go again. We we come back to that one. That 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 uh, story had like a cult following too. I know. Sleeper hit. Like people I got was. real into it. <laughs> Okay, the house, dude. That's what sold it. Let's get into okay. Let's get into it then. So let's get into the um the Christmas tree argument. The Christmas tree argument, which is up first. And so I'll, ask Giddy, I'll ask Giddy to explain this because I do not remember this one. Okay, so what I think yeah, so what I can do, I can explain what happened and then if you want we can go back and forth a little bit with it. Jake can kind of make the um, make his call, and then I'll tell you what I ended up deciding to publish. Essentially, that okay, yeah, because both of these good. stories are published, and one is I kept it, the other one I didn't keep it. So the Christmas tree argument. So this was when um, Jen and Cassian they go to a cabin in the woods for Christmas, and Cassian has surprised Jen with a Christmas tree that's in the cabin. So when I originally wrote it, this is why I brought up the whole spatial thing, Jake, because when I originally wrote it, I wrote it as the Christmas tree being in front of the fireplace. And I thought this was fine. I'm remembering <laughs> so, now. I'm remembering that's, now. Actually, now, now I'm not a home inspector. I would describe oh that God. as a fucking fire hazard. Oh, my God. <laughs> Now, so, now, hold on. Hold you'll on. never did guess you what mean, I said. <laughs> did you mean it was across the room, just like 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 laterally in front of the fireplace? So, so I was imagining like with, with my family, we have a fireplace. We have it like in front, but adjacent. So, like it's not directly in front of it. It's just like kind of adjacent to the fireplace. Right. And Zoe freaked out. She goes like, she goes, "Giddy, my dad's a firefighter." <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, are you serious? And then she's like, yes. I'm like, chestnut trusting <laughs> I just like, I was Wait, teasing her about it. Was it. Like, it was, it's not in like the center of the room. She right? just, yeah. she just said in front of, and my I brain. I just said in front of. And my brain immediately was like, that's dangerous, especially in a wooden house far away from any resources. Was it like a, was it like a, a gas fireplace or, or does it, it actually. It was not specified, Jake. It was not specified. Well, did you. But I mean. It was not specified. Like the whole thing is supposed to be like this whole woodsy cabin thing. So I imagine yeah. like, you know, like an it's a fire. vibe. Yeah, right. vibe yeah, it's a vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe, Jake. You can do it's in vibes. You have to. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Well, that's yeah, as I can tell, I'm from SoCal. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So Jake, would you say that I should change it or leave I, I would, it be? I would specify a place a little bit more, mm -hmm. more detailed than in front of. Because well, it's like, you it, know, to, to me, what I'm, what I would, what I would think the author was saying was like, okay, it's like on, it, it's like located it on the same, like lateral plane or whatever right. the fuck as the fireplace. It's just on the opposite side of the room. So it's, why would it's you intuit that? In front of no, implies well, close. No, 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 no cause, <laughs> but that's what I mean. So like, what I'm, what I mean is like. That's what I would think the author was going for instead of in front of, because who the fuck puts a tree in front of a fireplace that's, obscene, that's obscenely dangerous? <laughs> so that's what, that's what I was trying to get from that. So what did you end up publishing, Giddy? So I ended up moving the goddamn tree. So. Ah, <laughs> ah. I was like, you know what? Like... I'm like, I totally get it. And I'm like, yeah, this is like a modern day story. I'm like, and, and again, because my main, my main issue is spatial awareness. So I'm like, okay, I, like, I try, I trusted Zoe in that moment that she has better spatial awareness than I do. So I'm like, we'll just move <laughs> the fucking tree a few feet to the side. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So cool. that, 
uh, that was like I just remember like the DMs of like me teasing Zoe about like the whole cabin catching on fire. <laughs> That's a super real concern, bro. I know. And Zoe's then... super right about this, dude. I'm sorry. Thank you. It's okay. Thank you. Like I said, like I said, my my father is a volunteer firefighter, so I'm aware, I'm aware of all the rules. He just, he uh, I just... Like, what the fuck? I just wish that Zoe could have heard me cackle the minute I read that. I was, I was not expecting that, Zoe. That's awesome. One thing, I, that, I was expecting that's a fire hazard. I was not yeah. expecting my dad's about to. <laughs> oh, is that what you so wrote crazy. in the note? That's funny. That is what she wrote in the <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, and that's actually, that's sort of like a, this is actually a pretty instructive uh, example because like that's the like, level of detail that's the kind mm. of focus you should be paying to uh, a story that you're editing you gotta pay attention to every word every line be like okay mm. what is the author saying and like wh- what's sort of the layout of the place they're describing does that layout make sense yeah <clears throat> like, you, you have to pay you have to pay a very close eye to, to everything you're talking about it's I think it's good because you know as when you're as the writer of a thing you can't always be objective about everything so it's good yes. when you're to me, when your beta reader can go in with just an objective, kind of more unsentimental eye over everything. Although sometimes this leads into our next argument. I personally <laughs> tend to get real caught up in like facts. <laughs> like, he hates that, I guess. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Because I lost this next argument and I'm still a little bit mad at him. <laughs> all right, all right. I am so excited. <laughs> Alright, so this one, here's the thing. Let, okay, this is another Jen Cassian Rebel Captain story. It is... You two are very again, prolific in that field. I'm yeah. very... Oh, man. They're, they are my... Or, oh, I love it. Um, yeah. I love tragedy, so... Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? And I love okay. a blank slate. <laughs> <laughs> because they both die, so they're infinite alternate universes. There you there go. You go. <laughs> oh, no, I do see that. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So, so to give proper context, this is a fantasy story where Jin is a witch and K2SO, he is a cat familiar. And this started right out the gate. This is like the very first paragraph in the very first fucking chapter. And it was quite early on. <laughs> it was quite early on. I was not expecting this. Basically, Jin made herself breakfast and she pours the extra milk she has into a bowl and gives it to K2SO to drink. Right. And, <laughs> and Zoe lost her shit. <laughs> she goes, Giddy. Cats can't drink milk. It's bad for them. <laughs> I'm like, it's in the oh here's it's not only a fantasy story. It's like said in like you know like fake medieval times sort of a thing. I'm like, right, Zoe. It's medieval times, fantasy. This isn't even a really fucking cat. It's a familiar. The cat's gonna drink milk. It's not gonna. <laughs> And we went back and forth and back and forth on this. Well, so, okay, so my (laughs) argument was I understand that it's, like, more, like, it fit the vibe better to have, (laughs) and it was, like, more romantic to have him drinking milk. Exactly. But I was like, this is where that misconception that you can give cats milk comes from, and what we should not be perpetuating this misconception because in real middle time middle evil times cats would probably have been eating either mice or table scraps not milk table um, scraps includes milk <laughs> no but like that yeah, should not disgusting. be th- but that shouldn't be their main that can't be their main source of nutrients because they can't digest it very well well even still it's a cat familiar it's not an actual cat but it okay, is on, an actual on. cat oh my no he's a familiar because okay hold on let's let's look at this uh from a historical let's do a historical reading of oh, jesus because if this is in if this is like in is some like fantastical equivalent of like medieval europe you know yeah 14th century whatever the fuck i i, I mean i don't i'm not like I don't have like a firm grasp of like what resources were necessarily considered. Neither do any of us, then. by the way. We're, this is a okay, totally uninformed <laughs> argument. Medieval, no medieval, one did any googling for this argument. Medieval Europe. What is more valuable, milk or water? Water. Water. Okay, so you're probably no, going to give milk because there's milk. less of it. What? Well, no, and water. it's more nutrient rich. 
Wait, what? Well, how did we get to here? What? Because <laughs> trying to decide if, like, are you, like, are you giving the, if you're supposed to give the cat scraps, you're going to give it, like, the cheaper bullshit. So it's like, would you give it water or milk? You'd probably give it milk, right? Yeah, you well, give it, I mean, that's what folks well, no. would do. Because if you're in medieval Europe, they're all fucking idiots back then. They're just bunch of ingrates. They don't know what well, the fuck well, okay, but also, like. but also, but also, like, like, instinctively, like, if a cat has a choice between meat and milk they'll go for the meat yes that's true so if you're just going to give the cat whatever is left over like they're going to go for the meat right but she gives him the milk that's the whole point <laughs> but the whole point was i did not think in this story jin should be giving the cat milk because because i think it's important to to not perpetuate that to not perpetuate thing. that misconception that you can give cats milk by the way psa don't give cats milk particularly yeah, adult milk. cats and um, kittens should get special cat milk this is actually an, this is an interesting case because i i don't know if i would if i were in that situation if i were editing someone that you know gave a cat milk um prior to this i would i would never have even flagged that because i didn't know giving cats milk like i i don't do it i never i've never given my cats milk but i didn't know it was like an expressly bad thing to do now that i know that now that's always going to stick out to me so it's like, <laughs> i don't know if i would what i would do i would probably flag it to the author and be like so this is up to your discretion realistically <laughs> you wouldn't give a cat milk however if you feel that it is sort of more it's more in line with like the tone of the world or whatever go for it um this is, this is why <laughs> i don't know if you can hear me snapping, you but... snapping. <laughs> i i wish you could see me rolling my eyes <laughs> oh, i can like, feel it from here i like, like, can't believe yeah. i'm losing this argument twice in <laughs> well because it's like it... So, it's the vibe. <laughs> I don't care about the vibe. I care about facts. <laughs> let's say, let's say, hypothetically, you give a cat milk. <laughs> All right. So, so Jake, would you keep, would you let the cat drink milk or would you take it out? <sighs> Probably let her just drink it. Yeah! Because uh, that's what I no, did too. I <laughs> okay, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, I, the, the, I would, that, that, that literally, that depends on the story. If it yeah. is like, if it's like a modern, if it's a modern story, if it takes place in like fucking Toronto or something, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if it, yeah. in real world, I'm going to tell them, don't do that. But, yeah. but if that stands as a character point, if you were trying to paint that this person is, you know, they're they're not that good at taking care of animals in subtle ways that would be a good characterization that would be good to have now you might you might maybe go for something a, a little a little bit more overt than that because i didn't necessarily know that you're not supposed to give cats milk i mean i guess i've never done it so like i yeah. guess i subconsciously knew that but it, it all depends man it's case by case it's like if it makes sense for the if it if you can justify it then it, it, it's hard for me to to be to be like okay yeah take that out. I don't th yeah. I don't think of vibe. I don't I didn't think of vibe. <laughs> justified it. I suppose. Okay. So okay. So so I'm gonna be honest with you for a sec. I I kept it in partly because of the vibe, but also partly I was feeling petty at that point. <laughs> I mean yeah. I just I mean I deserve that probably yes. because I went I came out really strongly. Yeah, that. it was like just give him scraps. I'm like no. <laughs> <laughs> I am my own worst enemy <laughs> uh, once again. <laughs> so the, awesome. there's another lesson you can take from that, where it's like you know, gauge like kind of similar to like kill your darlings, uh, pick your battles. I guess might be the yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that comes and that comes yeah. back to sort of like the tent pole of the, of this section of the podcast is like what advice to accept and what advice to fight. Yeah. Which is like yeah. so. Let me give an example of of in my experience. So a friend of the same friend that that I edit a whole lot, uh, she was working on a sci-fi story, and because this is because this it's like uh, it's not I, it's not far future. It's like alternate universe. Like Earth doesn't exist in this in in this like universe to my knowledge. So it, it's like that kind of sci-fi. It, it, she was it, she was calling clocks timekeepers instead of clocks. And, and that's just, like, as a, as a little way of, you know, like, sort of making the, the familiar unfamiliar. 
mm-hmm. to, to sort of trying to 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 uh, draw a line, a, a distinction between you know our world and this sci-fi world. And I, in my advice to her was, please just call it a clock. And we oh. actually went back and forth on it a couple of times, like through several different drafts. And the 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 reason I had was because if you a, a clock is like, it's something that's so small it's something that's just so second nature to like just people like everyone knows what a clock is is that it's it will not register to them as like this is a different universe they shouldn't be calling it a clock like they'll 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 only pick it up if you call it a timekeeper instead and that's going to take them out of the story yeah and the example that i draw that i drew on was like and you guys will you know sort of you'll you'll like this because you're both star wars aficionados I was like, you know how glass in Star Wars is called transparasteel? Yeah. <laughs> or fucking... paper is flimsy. I'm like, no! <laughs> paper is flimsy plast? Hey, <laughs> that's fucking poison? Call it glass. Uh, I know. So, so in the same vein, it's like if you should, yes, make the familiar unfamiliar, but like do that sort of figuratively and metaphorically if you're mm-hmm. taking something that's like so just like ingrained in, in like the, the cultural consciousness i guess if you can mm. call it that all that's going to do is is take people out of the story yeah um if if there is like a, a close enough equivalent to it that you can call it without without it making like no sense call it that you know that was that was sort of a discussion that we had that that was actually pretty protracted and that was, and she ended up being like, all right, fair point, and ended up going for it and just calling it a clock. But it's it's like we've been saying, it's case by case. It's like you as the author get the final say. Because when I finally convinced her, I was like, this is the final time I'll relitigate this. If you still don't, like, agree with me, then that's all good. Don't worry about it. But this is this is the last case I'll make with it. And that's when I brought up the transparasteel shit, and she, and she went for it. <laughs> Um, so, so all suddenly clicked. Like, oh no! Clicked. Um, and so you need. So you, as the author, have the final say, no matter what. Yes. Um, yeah. So you, but yeah. you know, and and Giddy with and I that have, power, and Giddy and I could have these arguments, and we laugh about them now, and we honestly, I honestly laugh about them then too. Yeah, me of too. Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> because like we have, because like we're friends, and we have like. A good relationship so yeah i could yeah. so like i felt like i could like come out against cats drinking milk <laughs> in my soul <laughs> i yeah. felt very strongly yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah and i could be like no <laughs> <laughs> and she can and she can be like and she can be like you go drink milk zoe <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so if a, an editor has you know if they pull out the receipts if they've got if they make a good case for their for their suggestion seriously consider it but as is always the case you have the final say no matter what and you can decide what what advice to to take and not to take that being said i've talked about it before on this podcast our boy ezra pound that fascist piece of garbage when he was editing uh the wasteland by t.s Eliot, the author of uh, the love song of Alfred J. Prufrock, that poem that we read back in like episode four or five. J. Alfred Prufrock. J. Alfred, my mistake, J. Alfred Prufrock, sorry. The Wasteland is a is like a book-long poem. And there, we had to read, it was a required text for a substantive editing class of mine. The, the version of what we got was the manuscript, both the completed version and side-by-side to it was the version uh, with all of Pound's copy editing marks. And those products are so vastly different, not even in terms of like, like imagery, like a story, a, a prose, prose fiction, nonfiction, whatever, looking different through across several iterations is one thing because you're iterating on the story. Maybe you find a way that, that it flows better. You sort of maybe re- refine your voice as an author a little bit more. You change a character here and there. It makes sense for shit to look really different, but poetry is like that much more sort of like metaphorical and formless and vague that if the if the voice really changes well that's not necessarily true but in 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 pounds in pounds and elliot's case there were edits that pound made that were like this tone of like you don't actually think this is a good idea are you Uh. like fucking gross right terrible edit fuck pound he the, the edits he was making to t.s Eliot were 
shocking. Like there was points where he would he would cross out lines and just rewrite entire stanzas, and they sounded completely. They didn't sound like Elliot. They sounded like Pound. So don't be an Ezra Pound. Don't be Gordon Lish either. That's another that's another dickhead editor. Don't fucking do that. It's all about being deferential, making a firm case, but willing to at at the end of the day always defer to the author because it is their story and their decision. Uh, but as the author, you know, it's also your responsibility and also in your best interests to to really listen to what your editor has to say. And so therefore, choose an editor who you will listen to. Exactly. Luckily, like, Ezra Pound no. is dead. So you don't have to worry <laughs> about him coming back. Before we close out, like, do you guys have any uh, experiences or anything you'd like to say about, you know, what advice to accept and what to fight? Outside of uh... sort of Christmas trees and fireplaces and cats. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. I mean, I've ignored my fair share of advice people have given me, mostly tonal and punctuation-wise. I hate it when people mess with my punctuation. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, So, I don't know. And also, most of my beta reading has been on the level of, mostly on the level of copy editing, honestly. Sure. That tends to be, like, all I really want in terms of fanfiction beta reading. So, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing because... When people start to mess with your punctuation, like we were talking about how punctuation can be really kind of subjective, I feel like that's kind of messing with my unique tone. Right. So, you know, you'll Jake, you'll love this. Someone I don't I don't remember at some point I got someone who who like tried to like put in a semicolon nah. into no. into my story and um as you listeners know, but as Giddy may or may not know, I'm very anti semicolon, so <laughs> If she sees a semicolon on the street, she will beat it to death. Yeah, Jake, it was only with, like, extreme restraint I didn't delete all your semicolons when I was beta reading. (laughs) I I don't use them too much. I don't use... I never... I only ever use them in narration, never in dialogue. Yeah. Giddy, I don't know what your position on semicolons are. I... I, For me, it's, like... The way I see punctuations, like, colons or semicolons, because you don't see it as much, like, you kind of want to reserve it for something you really want to put emphasis on yes like i have a student um and i think part of it it's because because sometimes different languages like like in um if you see like spanish text or french text they use like a lot of semicolons so it's like the pacing's different sort of a thing you know Mm. so for me it's like as long as you're actually connecting the two independent sentences and i feel like as long as you're you're doing it for a specific purpose, because it is like a rare form of punctuation, then I'm fine with it. Mm. But like, if you use it in place of a comma, like for one, that's oh, that's God. that's incorrect. But like for another, <laughs> it's just sort of like you know that just kind of creates a whole other kind of set of problems, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like middle of the road about it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm not like yeah. semicolons are are are, are tantamount to an act of God or the fucking best punctuation. It's like, like, they're not, they're just, use them right, and you're fine. Yeah, we don't want to rehash our whole semicolon argument. But yeah, suffice it to say, I didn't. Suffice it to say, I didn't. I didn't take that suggestion, but I did restructure the whole sentence. So the semicolon, so that, so that the, like it was. It, yeah, it I think they were they were adding it in place of a comma. I think. Or oh. And I was, or in place of a dash. And I don't even remember if it, like, would have been technically correct. I just remember being, like, viscerally, I will not use a semicolon in this piece of writing. So I didn't take that suggestion. <laughs> I didn't take that suggestion, but I did rework the whole sentence. So I think it was overall positive change. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's mostly the advice I end up fighting. And then I, I take, I take many things. I don't know. I don't remember. Giddy, did I, t- do I take most of your suggestions? I think so. I think you do. And the thing is, like, my suggestions are kind of weirder, too. Like, I feel like yours are much more structural and, like, they're easy to follow me. I'm just like, I want you to tell me more about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. 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 Because like, I, I just like... move along. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let, let's sit on this for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Well, I mean, yeah. it's talking to writers with like different sort of authorial sensibilities right because mm. it's like you get you get a, a broader understanding of the, the shape that your story can take no definitely 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 and that's probably gonna be it for this episode of on writing and fan fiction so thank you so much for listening please follow us on instagram at owff underscore podcast and look up giddy on instagram at the giddy owl all one word and send us fan that's mail or hate handle. mail that's great branding 
Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> send, us, send us fan mail or hate mail or where you come down on either sides of these arguments Gideon and I just rehad. Um, <laughs> Jake really wants hate mail, so. And uh, at OWFFpod at gmail.com. And we haven't checked that email in a while, but we'll we'll come back to it and we'll do we'll answer some we'll we'll definitely answer questions in your email on air. So yeah, and please um, rate slash review slash subscribe wherever you listen. Thank you, Kira, for being our creative director, and we will catch you next time. We'll catch you guys around. Thanks so much for joining us, Kitty. It, it was a blast. Oh. Yeah, yeah that so was just fun. fun. Yay. Let me again. come back. We would be so happy to have you back. We would be so happy to have you back. We would be so happy to have you back. Yeah, for Can we oh. get Ben Shapiro on the podcast? Oh, we God, can no. we, we cannot, Jake. I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna veto. I'm gonna veto that one. But we're not giving it. We're not letting him on to listen to him talk. We're letting him on so I can berate him. How wh- how has your mind gotten here? And how did we get here? Because anyway, anyway <laughs> it, when right. you listen back, you'll pick up on it.